Welcome to another great message by Pastor Adrian Wright, lead pastor at Anchor Church. We pray this message will encourage, inspire, and transform your life. Our heart is to share the hope of Jesus with our city and nation. share a message. We've been looking at First Chronicles. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, uh, you can open them up at First Chronicles. I'm just going to mention that for now. For some of you, it'll take you a while to find First Chronicles. That's fine. That's fine. You're amongst friends here this morning. No one's going to judge. If you really have to, you can go to the table of contents. They do include those in the beginning in the front of your Bible. But in First Chronicles chapter 22 is where we're going to be, and I'll get to that in a moment. But as a church, we've always wanted to, to see lives changed. We've always been here to reach our city. Right from the, from the very first Sunday, from, the, from our pre-launch meetings, we said that we are in the city for the city to reach the city, and, uh, and we want to make a difference. And we have a big vision in that regard. We want to live great big lives full of passion and persistence and purpose, and, uh, and we get to do it together. Come on, isn't that awesome? We all get to do that together. We get to pursue it together. You don't have to try and do it on your own. You don't have to try and journey by yourself. But as a community of people that are set alight, we get to go out and make a difference in this world. And so I want to encourage you with a word today entitled Arise and Build. Arise and Build. Now, I, I nearly didn't use that title because I think a lot of pastors have used it. But it's right there in 1 Chronicles 22 and it's repeated at least twice. And so I felt that, that I would, it would be amiss for me to not speak on what, what the command was from David by the Spirit of God to the people of Israel, saying to them that God is with you, so it's your turn, it's your opportunity, it's your t- time to run. It's, it's, it's this moment for all of us to get up and say, what am I building with my life? My question to you this morning. What are you building with your life? What is your life ultimately leading towards? It seems like life will carry on forever. It always seems like we'll have another day and another opportunity and another week and another month and another year to pursue something. But what happens if time slips away from us and we get to the end of all of those moments and realize that we have spent all of the time, all of the talent and all of the treasure that God put in our hands on building something that wasn't eternal. Here at Anchor Church, we want to have a bigger vision for our lives. We want to value our lives and our time and our treasure far more than just squandering them on on temporary pursuits. Hey, some temporary pursuits are fine. It's great to have hobbies. It's great to have a good career. It's great to, to do all of those things. But, but there's a greater identity that God wants to birth in each of us. And that identity is that we are here to build the kingdom. That we are here to establish the work of God in this city, in this moment, in this time. Something that will last throughout the generations. That generations after generations will be touched as a result of the faithfulness of the people in this room. And that's what God calls us to. It's an incredible, incredibly powerful call. This last Wednesday, we actually took a significant step as a church and we launched our Kingdom Builders ministry. Um, our Kingdom Builders is a, is a community of people that are passionate about, 
uh, advancing God's kingdom of, on earth uh, through financing the church's work. This is people that understand that their careers and the money that they earn and, and the gifts that God has put in their hands, the resources that God has put in their hands, is not just for them to use on themselves to create a bit more luxury or a, a bit more comfort in life, but their identity has shifted from building their own kingdoms and their own homes and their own houses to, to building the kingdom of God. This is a special group of people, and it's the first time we've brought these people together in a room and, 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 and spoke to them about, about this vision that God has for their lives. And I got up on Wednesday night, and I, I shared on our heart as a church and our heart for our kingdom builders. And, and after I shared, um, I looked over at a Piwe. I'm not sure if she's here this morning. I haven't seen her yet this morning. But uh, I looked over at her, and she was in tears. She was crying. And you know, as a pastor, when you get up and you speak, and then somebody's in tears afterwards, it could either be really good or really, really bad, right? And I wasn't sure which one. And I, the way she was crying, I kind of thought it was the latter. I thought, oh my gosh, I said something that offended her or, you know, so I kind of sheepishly went up to her and I was like, hey, Piwi, you know, how's it going? I was like, are you okay? And, um, and, she's, and she looked at me and she said, why are you always making me cry? Again, I still wasn't sure. I still wasn't sure if this was good or bad. And I, and I said, and so I just asked, why? why? You know, what, am I, what have I done? Um, and she said, I've never felt so affirmed in my life. I've never been so affirmed in my life. I realize that this is what I was born for. This is why God put me on this earth, is to be a kingdom builder. She said to me, do you know that my name, Apiwe, means to give, to be a giver? And I realized just how incredibly powerful it is when somebody is able to connect with the very reason that God created them. Mark Twain, in, in his famous words, once said that the two most important days in your life are the day that you're born and the day that you find out why. The day that you're born and the day that you find out why. And we do not want you to miss your why. We do not want you to, to squander your why, to, to be ignorant of the why that for which Christ pursued you and for which he pursued us. I love the story in the Gospels of, of Mary when she was pregnant with Jesus after that immaculate conception and, and she's carrying the Son of God in her own womb and she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And as she walks into the house and she shouts out the greeting, Elizabeth was also pregnant at that time with John, who would later become John the Baptist. Didn't know Jesus and John were cousins, did you? They were. And so, and so as she walks into the house, Mary shouts out a greeting to Elizabeth, and it says something incredible. It says that John in the womb leapt, the baby literally leapt. I don't know how babies leap in the womb, but leapt at the sound of Mary's voice. That tells us that there is something that God has planted in you even before you were born, that He instilled on the inside of you while you were still in your mother's womb. And at the very sound of, of the destiny that God has for you, the call of God on your life, the purpose of God for your life, there is something inside of you that resonates so deeply that it would cause a fetus in the womb to leap. There's a powerful thing when you connect with the reason why you're alive. And we want everybody in this building, everybody listening to this message, everybody that's a part of this church to connect, not just on a Sunday, not just every now and again, not just when you listen to some worship music, but that when you wake up 
It's what you, it's what you breathe. It's what you eat. It's what you live. If we were to cut you, it's what you would bleed. It's who we are as a church. It's who we are as a people. We get to live these passionate lives filled with the purpose of God. In Christ, we find our why. In Jesus, all of us go from living lives that, that look like those who wander aimlessly, not knowing where they're going, not knowing what the next thing is that they need, just blindly walking around, the blind leading the blind, they both fall into it. But we go from that state to a state of being awakened. Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. All of a sudden we have a purpose, we have a direction, we have a call of God that resonates in our hearts. We know God in that moment. We begin to know Him as our Father. We are His children and He is our Father. I will be their God and they will be my people. And, and we get to have fellowship with God, which is the primary reason that God reaches into your life, because He loves you, because He wants to, to know you and be known by you. He wants to, to spend time with you. God didn't reach into your life just so that he could tell you a bunch of stuff to do. No, he reached into your life because he loves you and wants, he wants you to know that love. Simultaneously, God calls us to so many great things as, as he reaches into our lives. He also calls us to invite others onto that journey, into that journey, to reach our world, to build what God is building so that we would be an eternal community that's worship just grows louder and louder and louder as we become more intimately acquainted with the wonders of the person of Jesus. I often tell people, if you're struggling to be obedient to the call of God, or if you're struggling to, to be passionate about worship, if you're struggling to, to, to do any of those things, don't, 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 fix, don't try and fix your obedience. Fix your faith. Fix your understanding of God's grace. If I'm struggling to connect with Jesus, and I'm standing in the front here and, I, and my mind is wondering and, and, and that happens. You know, I, I always, we, we have such a high standard of excellence that many times I'm making notes of things I'm going to fix this week. Things I'm going to fix, not people, just so you know. <laughs> but, but it's so easy to disconnect and, and all I have to do is think about what Jesus has done for me. All I have to do is think about his incredible kindness and his incredible love and his incredible goodness and, and all the ways in which God has, has shaped my life and, and touched my life and, and, and blessed my life. I just have to think about that for a, for a brief moment and I'm straight into worshiping in the throne room of heaven. Do you have that sense of gratitude in your heart this morning? Because that's what's gonna feel your passion that's what's going to move you to fulfill the call of God because you would want others to experience what you've experienced. That's how it's authentic. That's how it's real. That's how it's not just religion, not just something that we do out of duty, but something that we do from our hearts. And that's how our worship grows louder and more passionate as we bring Him glory. Jesus said this in Matthew 4 verse 19. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's the call. That's the leaping. When you hear the follow me, our hearts leap within us just as, as John leapt in, in Elizabeth's womb. Our hearts leap when we hear the follow me coming from God. And then there's a plan and a purpose. I will make you fishers of men. You see, you cannot separate the following from the fishing. They go together. 
We're here to make a difference, to help people experience the peace that God has for them. In 2 Corinthians 5.18, you know, it says this, and it says this in various different ways. It speaks about how through His blood, Christ made peace between us and God. But in, in 5.18, it says, Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ. Through Jesus, God brought all of us home. He took us into His arms and He received us. And He says, and now Christ has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So we've been reconciled and we reconcile. We bring people back to God. The Bible says this incredible thing. It goes on to say there that, that God makes His appeal through us. The appeal that He makes to this world. What God is longing to say to the world is be reconciled to God. And we get to make that passionate appeal to our world. Come back to God. Teshuva, return. Come back. God has more for your life. That's the sound the church makes. That's the appeal. That's the mission. That's the call of the Spirit and of the church. Sometimes I think we get so caught up in our preferred model of church, method of church, you know, how loud should the music be? What kind of songs should we do? What should the building look like? Do you know that none of that really matters? That's all based on preference. What matters is the message. Let's not get so caught up on the method that we have lost the message. The message is be reconciled to God. His grace is for you. Today is the day of salvation. It is the year of God's favor. It's available to you. City of Joburg, nation of South Africa, continent of Africa, be reconciled to God. His grace is for you. That's our message. But we get distracted, and I think it's part of the enemy's plan to get us distracted. And so these moments are so awesome for us to be able to come back to what it's really all about. Have you ever wondered how the Bible ends? In Revelation 22, verse 17, right near the end uh, of, of the entire Bible, it says this. It says, the Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, and the bride, which is His church, they have a message for you. What's that message? The message is come. And let the one who hears that message, if you've heard that message resonate in your heart, that if you've heard it, then you echo the message, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. It's free. It's offered by the grace of God. When we hear that call, it resonates in the chambers of our hearts. We realize this is what I was born for. This is why I am alive. And the sound that echoes in response from within us is, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I will share the message. I will go. I will preach. I will, I will invite. I will lead. I will disciple. I will reach people. I will do what you've called me to do. I'll have a heart for your house. David had a heart for the house. In Psalm 69 verse 9, he wrote these prophetic words. He said, for zeal for your house has consumed me. Zeal for your house. Zealous. 
that sound of, of water bubbling over. It boils over within me. There's something genuine, genuinely passionate within me. And when the disciples saw Jesus run into the temple that they had been turned into a den of robbers and, and, and that where people had, had created all kinds of steps and payments, we just read how that water is supposed to be without price. And people had created a system of laws and regulations and, and religion that, that made people pay and perform in order to be reconnected with the Father. And, and, and Jesus, in a moment of, of overturning what, what religion had become at that point, runs into the temple, overturns the tables and says, this house will be a house of prayer for all nations. In other words, it's a place where people connect with God freely. It's a place where people are able to, to connect with God without having to jump through religious hoops, without having to, to go through legalistic uh, uh, rituals and, and laws and, and things that they have to abide by in order to somehow be accepted. No, come all. In fact, it says that all of a sudden the children started running around in the temple shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. And they brought the lame and the sick the paralyzed, those that had been, had been hidden out of the way, bring those that are hurting and broken, bring them to the fore so that God can do His work. Jesus declared things are changing because my grace is here. And when He did that, His disciples remembered something. They remembered that scripture, John 2 verse 17, it says His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. How many of you want to have the passion of Jesus for the house of God? Come on, that's something that, that, that God has ordained for us. It will fulfill you. Instead of carrying passion for His house and zeal for His house, we've carried disdain and distrust. And I get where that comes from. I get how many, we, we posted uh, the question on, on social media this past week saying, do you love the church? Do you love the bride of Christ? Are you willing, like Jesus, to give yourself up for her? And somebody commented, it's difficult sometimes. <laughs> How many of you know marriage is difficult sometimes? <laughs> Loving your kids is difficult sometimes. Doing what's right is difficult sometimes. Until you find your why. Until you regain the perspective. Until you remember the love that you have for that person. And all of a sudden, the difficulty begins to, to be overcome by that passion and by that purpose. And so, yes, sometimes it's difficult to love the church, but it's Christ's bride. And I, I can tell you some stories. I can legitimately tell you some stories about things that, have, that I've gone through in regards to church. I, I would venture to say that if any of you have been hurt, I probably could, could give you a story topper for that one and, and top whatever story you have. But you know what? I said this to my wife. We were driving home here from church last night. And, and I said to her, you know, it doesn't matter what I've been through that where people have failed me or where I felt hurt in the moment or whatever. It still doesn't even come close to comparing to how the church has blessed me, how this community has been the stuff of my life the friends I have made, the moments I've shared, the miracles I've witnessed, the, the, the eternal purposes that this has afforded me the opportunity to be a part of. I'll forever be grateful for the church of Jesus Christ because it has fulfilled me more than anything else. And I believe the same is to be true for you. 
I remember speaking to a man who, at a point in his life, was a complete unbeliever. You know those, you get some people that are just like kind of agnostic on the fence, and then you get those people that are like hell-bent, kind of like, no. You know, like, I hate the church, it's manipulation, it's just, you know, it's this and that, and they've got all these arguments against the church, and, and, and he despised the church. He had more than just a subtle disdain, he despised the church. He wanted nothing to do it, with it. But over time, his daughter got saved. And then his, his wife got saved and they kept trying to invite him to church and he vowed he would never set foot in a church until one day they convinced him for a special occasion to go and, and go to church. And so he went and he sat there. When everybody was standing during the worship, he sat there with his arms folded. And I heard this story from him. This is not some secondhand story. Like I, I sat with him as he shared this with me. He sat with his arms folded, shaking his head while everybody worshiped. The worship did absolutely nothing for him. The pastor got up and shared a passionate message. To him, it was just pure boredom. This is so irrelevant. It's utter nonsense. I don't want to hear it. And can, he, can this just, it, it just, all of it just seemed so irrelevant. And he was counting the minutes before the service would end. Towards the end of the service, he was like, okay, we're almost done. Towards the end of the service, he started looking around at the people. Not the pastor, not the worship, but the people in the audience just sitting there in the congregation. And the more he looked, the more he started to see something in them that he knew he didn't have in, in himself. And that was joy. As foolish as he had, had declared these people to be in his own heart, and his own mind, he realized that they carried something that he could not fabricate no matter how hard he tried, and it was joy. And all of a sudden, a tear rolled, rolled down his cheek. And then that tear became a cry. And then he started to sob. And after a while, in the middle of this church service, as the pastor's trying to finish his message, he began to wail like a proper Old Testament wail. So much so that people started to pass tissues down the aisles. Shame, that man needs some tissues. Give him some tissues, right? And he wouldn't just politely take a tissue out of the packet and kind of wipe the tears away. He was beyond that point. He just grabbed a clump of tissues and held it to his face. And as he held it to his face, he told me that, 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 that those tissues became like paper mache in his hands. And the tears were running through the tissues in the other end. The pastor obviously noticed what was going on but paid no attention to it. Just finished the service, dismissed everybody and just left them there. Just left the Holy Spirit to do his work. When the auditorium was almost completely empty, a pastor went up to him and pulled up a chair, sat down in front of him and said, now let's talk about all your arguments against the church. <laughs> you know what this man said? None of that matters. I don't care anymore. Just please tell me what I must do to be saved. You see, that's what it looks like when somebody encounters Jesus. All the arguments about the church is this, and they've done that, and they should have done that, and I prefer this, and you know, this pastor and that guy and that televangelist, none of it matters when you encounter Christ. And that's why we're here. That's our why. So that people can encounter, G encounter Jesus. That's what it's all about. The reality of His saving grace 
more than anything, this man wanted peace with God. And that is why we build the house so that hearts may encounter Christ. When we moved into this building almost a year ago now, which is a huge step of faith for us, None of these walls were up here. We had no kids area. There was no aircon installed. You know, we, we had to move into this empty space and, and trust God to be able to create a space where people can encounter Jesus. And, and there was a brick shortage at the time. They weren't able to find bricks. We moved in on the 1st of November, but we had already said that our opening service was going to be the 15th. And in that first week, we had paid for bricks and then the supplier ran out and we had to get a refund and we had to get more bricks the next week, and they were delivered here on Tuesday. We were going to have church on Sunday. And so we built those walls in three days. We had a team of about 45 uh, men in here working day and night. In fact, we booked our painters into the city lodge so that we could work until curfew, which was midnight at that time, and then quickly race them across to the city lodge so that they could sleep and then pick them up again at six in the morning to bring them back. We built this kids' center in three days. And during that time, Brent was project managing and we would come and do inspection and, and you know how building projects go. And at one point, my wife and I was here and God showed Lee a vision. She's quite prophetic for those of you that know her will know this about her, that God often reveals visions to her and, and speaks through her prophetically to people. And, and in that moment, as these bricks were going one on top of the, the other, she started to see something in the spirit. She started to see people's names on each of those bricks written in gold just appearing out of the stones. And God said to him in, the, in that moment that these are the people whose lives will be changed in this place. And then showed her that those are the names that are mirrored in the Lamb's book of life. That your name would be written down eternally in the book of life. And that we could add to those names. And so it frustrates the heck out of me when people say that, oh, you're just about the building. No, we don't see bricks. We see souls. It's all to a greater end. Yes, we want to complete this building. We're not even halfway done with what we want to do in this space. And we're hoping we'll outgrow it. And then we need to buy land and do a new one. But it's never going to be about the physical place. If we could not have a physical place, that would be awesome. It would be less maintenance. It'll be less money. We, you know, it would be awesome if we didn't have to have a building. But then we'd have nowhere to meet. And if it rained, we'd all go home. <laughs> so we trust God for those things, but they're not our focus. Our heart is souls. We pray for souls. We believe for souls. We trust for miracles. We want to see God restore. We want to see marriages healed. We want to see people find the redemption that is in Jesus. That's what we bleed. It's what we live for. So a zeal for his house has consumed us too. We want to be building what God is building. So now 1 Chronicles 22. After David had built an altar on the threshing floor that we spoke about last week, this, this circular paved area where the grain or the wheat would be ground out and the, 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 the grain would be separated from the chaff and that gentle breeze of the Spirit would blow away the chaff, the hollowness, the emptiness, and leave behind the substance of Christ. That's the role of what the church does. We take people and, and through the work of the Holy Spirit, we're able to produce the substance of Christ within them by the work of God's Spirit. From glory to glory, we're all being transformed into the image of Christ and all the hollow bits of our lives, all the shallow bits of our lives, all the selfish parts of our lives, the Holy Spirit just 
gently blows away from us. It's a work of salvation and sanctification. And, and in that moment, David builds an altar on Ornan's threshing floor. The word Ornan, the name Ornan means center of cheer or praise, place of praise. As we worship, God is working in us. And so David goes, this is the place that God has ordained to do his miracles. And so he builds an altar there and God answers by providing fire on that altar. In 1 Chronicles 22 verse 1, it says, Then David said, Here shall be the house of the Lord and here the altar of burnt offering for Israel. This ultimately became the place where God would provide the final sacrifice, the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It's in that area of the, mount of, uh, the uh, mountain, mountainous area of Moriah where the temple would be built and where Jesus would be crucified. Then in verse 5, it goes on and it says this, 1 Chronicles 22 verse 5, it says, For David said, so he realizes this is the place. David said, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced. I love how he just throws that in there, just so that everybody knows. You know, he's, he's still young, he's still inexperienced. And the house that is to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent. We don't go in half-hearted when we're going to do something for God. Of fame and of glory throughout all lands. I will therefore make preparation for it because this is a house that we're building for God. I will personally prepare for it. So David provided materials in great quantity before his death. Then he called for Solomon, his son, and charged him to build a house for the Lord, the God of Israel. David said to Solomon, my son, I had it in my heart. I had it in my heart, heart for the house, to build a house to the name of the Lord my God. One thing that stood out for me in this scripture that I thought was so powerful is the fact that David knows that because he is advanced in years, that he would never see the fru- this temple come to fruition in his own lifetime but it doesn't stop him. He's not building for himself. He's building for all those who will connect with God as a result of the sacrifice he was willing to make. He has a bigger vision for his life than just his few years on earth. And he knows that his son is is inexperienced. He knows that those that are to come don't have his knowledge, yet he provides in great quantity. Before Solomon built the temple, David walked through those halls. He stood in the most holy place. He saw the vision that God had for the generations that were to come. And so we can ask ourselves this morning, do we only have a vision for our lives and for the things that we want to accomplish? Or do we have a vision for the generations that are to come? Do you have a vision for your children sitting where you're sitting today or standing on this stage where I'm standing today or leading in some other area in the future? Do you see your children doing that? Do you see their children doing that? Do you see the impact that you can have as our sacrifice today is able to ripple through generations? This is a godly thing. This is something that resonates. This is a deep thing. Deep cries out unto deep. There's more impact for you to make than just the few things that you'll accomplish in life. We literally are able to build for a younger generation. a vision that transcends our physical lives? Do we have it in our hearts 
to build a house that will impact, will have an impact on the generations that are to come. God answers David's desire to build the house. David wanted more than anything to be able to be the one to build it. And I find this interesting in the scriptures. God did not permit David to build the house because he was a man of war. And it's interesting that God says, I need the person who is going to build the house to be in a, in a state of rest, to experience peace. And so God says, David won't be building the house, but Solomon. Do you know that the name Solomon means peace? God gives us peace so that we can build the house. In 1 Chronicles 22, 9 to 11, it says, Behold, a son shall be born to you who shall be a man of rest. I will give him rest from all of his surrounding enemies, for his name shall be Solomon. And I will give him peace and quiet, and I will give peace and quiet to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name. He shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish his royal throne in Israel forever. Now, my son, the Lord be with you, so that you may succeed in building the house of the Lord, your God, as he has spoken concerning you. And so again, this is a prophecy of Jesus. That in order for us to build the house, in order for us to arise and build, in order for us to arise and work, we need to enter into the finished work of Jesus. We need to know the platform that we are building on. The foundation of this house is the sacrifice of Jesus. And the scripture tells us that no other foundation can be laid except that which has already been laid, Jesus Christ. The foundation of what we build is Christ. And we build from a place of rest. You know, when you're rested, how many of you know when you're rested, that's when you can really work. If you're tired, do we have any parents with young kids in the house this morning? How many of you know it's tough to go to work? I remember I, I'm a dad of twins. I had a two-year-old and at the same time twins, twin newborns. There are many nights that I didn't sleep. And I remember being an elder at another church and sending them an email in the morning and saying, please, can I be excused? I have not yet gone to bed. This was at around 7 a.m. And their answer was no. So <laughs> it hurt. I sat in that meeting. My eyes were burning. When you're tired because you've been running in your own strength, it's hard to build. And here's the thing. God is not going to grace you to do things he hasn't called you to do. We say, God, uh, give me the grace to go and do this and do that. And these are none of those things are things that God has for your life. And then we wonder why we're so worn out and tired. He's not going to give you the energy to do things he hasn't called you to do. But when you step into the plan of God for your life, there's a grace, there's a flow, there's an anointing, there's an ability, there's a rest. You're working from a place of rest. And so many people go, I don't want to build the church not understanding the flow that they will be able to get into if they start cooperating and partnering with God. All of a sudden, everything else, seek first the kingdom and all the others will be added unto you. There's an amazing flow that begins to develop in your life. So before we can build, we must rest. We need to rest in the finished work of Jesus and understand and receive His grace. And the Bible says that God worked Six days, and on the seventh day he rested. And we often think that we're supposed to do the same thing. But it's actually incorrect. Because on what day did God create man? On the sixth. So what was the first day of man's life? 
the day of rest. Man works, or God works, and then he rests, but man must first rest, and only then can he truly work. Only when you discover that identity and that rest in Jesus, when you hear his voice, the next thing that you hear is 1 Chronicles 22, verse 16. Arise and work. The Lord be with you. Arise and work. That's our prayer, that God will be with us as we arise, as we say yes to him. Will we take the peace that God has given us, the rest that he has given us, the the opportunity to be disconnected from all the false pursuits in life and take this opportunity as God adds to our number and adds gifts to the church to build what God is building. Directly preceding this moment, this is what David says to his son from verses 13. He says, be strong and courageous. Have some grit. Have some determination. Have some intentionality about your life. Fear not. Do not be dismayed. With great pains, I have provided for the house of the Lord. A hundred thousand talents of gold, a million talents of silver and bronze and iron beyond weighing, for there is so much of it, timber and stone too, I have provided. To these you must add. David provided, God has provided, and Solomon gets to add. You have an abundance of workmen. I love this. David, David goes, you, you think you, I know that you're young and you're inexperienced and you think you won't be able to do it, but I've already provided and not only have I provided the provision and the, and the wealth that you need and the materials that you need to build this house, I've provided the people. How many of you know people are always the greatest resource? And so he goes, there are people with skills in this house, stone cutters, masons, carpenters, and all kinds of craftsmen without number, skilled in working gold, silver, bronze, and iron. Arise and work, the Lord be with you. You see, Solomon couldn't build the temple alone. None of us can build this temple alone. But in this house, there is an abundance of craftsmen, of skills, of talents. And we all get to add those together. Everyone taking the grace of God on their lives, on their lives and adding it to building the house. Three things we see in the scripture were needed. Number one is courage. Number two is provision. And number three are skills, the talents of the people. Romans 12, six to seven says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. In Second Peter, it says, having God's grace in its various forms, let us use them. Let us use them. What is the grace of God on your life? What abilities, what skills, what insight, what expertise has God given you? Use it. Use it to build what God is building. Hear the voice of God as he says, arise and build. In this room today, we have all the provision, all the gifts, all the talents, all the leadership, all the insight we need to build the house of God here at Anchor Church Joburg in this era, in this age, in this moment. 1 Chronicles twenty-two seventeen. 17, David goes on. It says, then David also commanded all the leaders of Israel to help Solomon, his son. So, so he's a, it's Solomon, but it's not just Solomon. 
It's not just the pastor. It's not just the leader. He said to Israel to help Solomon, his son, saying, is not the Lord your God with you? Has Jesus not died for you? Has he not given you rest? Is God not for you? And has he not given you peace on every side? For he has delivered the inhabitants of the land into my hand. And the land is subdued before the Lord and his people. Now, now, anchor church, set your mind. Think about that. Think about how you set a thermostat or how you set a dial, how you set something in or dial something in. Set your mind and your heart. It engages both. Your heart, that you, what you believe in, in your mind, what you plan, what you prepare, and what you strategize for. Set your mind and your heart to seek the Lord your God. Arise and build the sanctuary of the Lord God. I feel like that's a word for all of us. Can we set our hearts and our minds here on our Heart for the House Sunday to building the sanctuary of the Lord? Can we give together? Can we work together? Can we dream together about what God can do as we build a church that will reach a nation, that will share the gospel with our city? Our heart here at Anchor Church, in the end of this year and going into the future, into 2022 and all that God has for us, is to number one, reach our city like never before. I cannot tell you, I was, let me tell you this just as an illustration. I was on a call with some pastors this past week. And I said to them, I said to them, you know, it pains me that we do gospel invitations at the end of a service for people to receive Jesus and that there are no unbelievers in the house oftentimes. That pains me. And the pastoral coach that, that I, I listen to and, and, and that helps me, he said to me, do this. For the next seven days, every single day, pray that God will bring the unsaved into your church. I'm gonna just keep praying that. I'm not gonna do it for seven days. I'm just gonna pray it every day. Because in my life, some of the greatest moments I have experienced in life have been those moments when I've been the one who's been able to help somebody encounter Jesus and see their eternal destiny altered in a moment. And so what we wanna do as a church, what will we do with the finances that come into this house, even as a part of Heart for the House? Number one, we're gonna reach our city like never before, authentically, genuinely sharing the gospel. Number two is we wanna make disciples. We wanna make disciples that make disciples. We're not just, we're not just called to 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 reach a city and invite somebody to church, but actually to help people be formed into the image of Christ, to encourage and journey and shape, just to, to see God working within them. And we wanna do that. We wanna, we wanna, through our growth track, help you discover your destiny, help you take those steps. And we have a Bible college uh, here at Anchor Church called the Leadership Collective. Our community groups are more important than ever They've always been important, but they're more important than ever because that's the space where people make the connections. You see, the thing about discipleship is it doesn't necessarily happen by you listening to me preach on a Sunday. It doesn't happen by you just reading a book or, or doing it. It happens as you journey on life together. 
As you encounter situations, you can go back to a friend or a, or a leader or a community group leader or a pastor and say, I don't know what to do in this situation. Help me. And as we journey together around the scriptures and the spirit of God, all of a sudden we're all being formed more into the image of Christ. That's discipleship. And here at Anchor, we genuinely want to make disciples. I want people to encounter somebody from Anchor Church as faithful, as loving, as kind, as generous, as filled with the Holy Spirit and go, hey, you must be from that Anchor Church, aren't you? That's what we want to see as disciples in this place. We want to play a bigger role in making a difference in our city as well. We want to establish a foundation, the Anchor Foundation, that will help us feed the poor and reach out to the destitute and, 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 and do things that will have not just a spiritual impact, but a physical one in people's lives as well. And these are some of the things that we're developing and that we want to do in the year that is to come. So I want to ask you, Anchor Church, as a part for our Heart for the House, that you would help me do three things this morning. Number one, pray with us. Pray with us. They needed courage. That courage comes from prayer. It comes from knowing who you are. It comes from knowing what, hearing the voice of God speak to you. You can't hear God's voice if you're not spending time with Him and praying. And we want to ask you to pray every single day for our church. It's our church. Let's pray that God would give us a wide open door of opportunity for effective work that souls may be saved. Amen? We're going to be starting a fast in November. I'm going to be doing it, and, and I almost hesitated on this because I don't want to just do it routinely. I want to do it really because, because it's what we believe God is calling us to, but I've not been able to shake it. I've tried to shake it. <laughs> I've tried to be like, nah, I don't. But every time God's just impressing it on my heart, this is the time. And I will give out more details this week, but you can join us as we fast and pray in this coming month. Number two, get involved. The craftsmen are in the house. The skilled workers, the artisans, they're here. Get involved. Don't be a spectator. Don't stand by. Don't be that guy that when everybody else was building, was standing there going, yeah, looks okay. Get involved. Get stuck in. Join the growth track next Sunday. Come and find out what it's all about and how you can start making a difference. And number three, give towards the vision. We love that word provision. We see how David uh, gave towards the vision, the house, and we see how he says to Solomon, his son, you must add to this. You know, David could have given everything, but by Solomon joining in in the giving, he gets to participate in the blessing. In the same way, we all get to give. And I can tell you now, I am utterly and thoroughly convinced that something happens in our hearts and in our lives when we begin to partner with God in such a powerful way. This is gonna bless you more than you know. Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so we get to give this morning and we get to give towards the vision. It's for the vision. It's pro-vision for the vision. And so we wanna ask you in a moment, I'm just gonna have the band do a song. And as they do that, we've got an envelope on every chair. We don't do this every Sunday, by the way. If you're a visitor with us, this is just a once a year thing where we give over and above our normal monthly giving. And we do that because our normal monthly giving pays the bills, you know, the operational costs. But we want to pioneer. I figured out, I worked out, if we want to do everything in this building that we still want to do, we've raised about half a million 
towards this building that went into building our kids' classes and so forth, but, but there's still a lot that we need to do just to establish this space and to reach out to our city. And, and just the building is gonna be over another half a million, 764,000 if we do everything, including buying some more chairs that we would need to. And so there's a lot that we still need to do, but we wanna go beyond that. We wanna reach the city. We wanna be able to do incredible things. And we believe that God is gonna provide. He does, but He uses people that have caught the vision to do it. And so there's a lot that we wanna do. And we don't, nobody's forced. Nobody's under any kind of compulsion. This is our worship this morning. This is part of our worship. And so there's an envelope on your chair right now. It's got a snap scan code. It's got a bank, banking details. I want you to take that envelope. And as the band plays, legitimately, I want you to hear from God. I'm not, we're not saying a certain amount. We're not, we're just asking you to hear from God. If this is the house that God has called you to build, that you would think about what you, as a form of worship, can give towards that. My wife and I have already decided. In fact, part of our Kingdom Builders group is that if you are, and this may be some of you here today, so I'll make this invitation. If any of you here today feel led to give 20,000 Rand or more, then that means that you're a Kingdom Builder as part of that ministry that we want to do. So come and speak to us. We'd love to uh, be able to include you in those communications around Kingdom Builders. 20,000 Rand, and that doesn't even have to be right now all at once. That could be if you want to do it over the next year. So if you wanted to give an additional 1,700 Rand a month to over above your giving, you're a Kingdom Builder. Come and talk to us. That's what that's for. So there's a moment that we have here to really just worship God through our giving and to build what He is building. And we're sincere in wanting to do that. We've done it since the moment God gave us this call in our hearts and we're gonna keep doing it. My wife and I give together into this as well. So let's take a moment right now. I'm gonna pray for us. The band's gonna play. And let's just take a moment to worship God in this way. Father, we wanna thank you right now this morning that we get to build what you're building, that we get to add our gifts, our talents, our treasure, that we get to take things that, that we would have depended on for life and say, Lord, we depend on you for life. Things that we would have looked to fulfillment and we say, God, you're the one who fulfills me. Father, we wanna follow and, 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 and be obedient to the New Testament call of generosity, of big spirited people who have such a vision for what you're building that we would literally, like David and Onan, be willing to give everything, God, in order to see it established. We just thank you, God, for the faithfulness, for your voice right now, and for the opportunity that we have to worship you through our giving. In Jesus' name.